Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. in Matthew chapter 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, O Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can be seated. Welcome, everybody. Hey, we've got notes today, so if you didn't get notes when you came in this morning, uh, slip your hand up, and Michael in the back will get that to you. Um, I got a lot to cover today, so you might want those things. Um, We're talking about prayer, and and we're going to go deep. Like you, like you heard, we already kind of skimmed over this section last week, and now we're going to dig deep into this. Um, and um, my, my prayer is that God's going to give you a desire to pray, a passion to pray, and maybe teach you some things about prayer uh, as well. The great preacher Leonard Ravenhill once said, The only people who pray are those who realize we need a power outside of ourselves. He was also famous for saying, no man is greater than his prayer life. And I think he was right in that. Um, The fact of the matter is, if we don't give much time and attention to prayer, it's because somehow we believe the lie that we can get along fine without God, right? Because prayer is where we go to God for help. Um, I've been thinking a lot about it this week. Like, why is it? Why is it that I can go for a day sometimes and forget to pray? Like, how is it that I could think that I can, that I can get along fine without God? And I think one of the reasons is because um, we, we forget that we're in a war. We forget that, um, that, that there is a cosmic battle taking place around us. The Bible tells us that there's a domain of darkness and a kingdom of light. It tells us that Christians are soldiers of Jesus Christ. It tells us that we wrestle with spiritual forces of evil in the present darkness. It says that there are passions within us that are at war with our own souls. It, te- it says that we need to be sober-minded and on guard. It says that we have an enemy called Satan that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
And in spite of all of the warnings, we forget that we're in a war. I think that a big part of the reason is that in America, Satan's strategy is to make us believe that he isn't real, right? Or that there is no battle taking place. And so when we forget that there is a battle, when we forget that we have an enemy, we don't fight. When we don't fight, we become easy prey. Our lives uh, become ruined by sin. Families get torn apart. Churches divide over petty things. But the fact of the matter is we're not left to fight in this, this battle without some artillery. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.4 that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Prayer has divine power to destroy satanic strongholds. Because prayer is our connection to God. Samuel Chadwick said this, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. John Piper rightly called prayer a wartime walkie-talkie while we are engaged in this battle. Back in the days when I was a firefighter, I learned that the, the most important tool that you can have in a fire is your radio. It's the one thing you better not lose because no matter how bad things get in a fire, you are just one mayday call away from outside intervention. Your radio In today's passage, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And we all know this. In this battle that we are in, there are things that we need, that we will need, that we must have, but we cannot have unless we ask. That's why James says, you have not because you ask not. That's right. And Jesus' disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to cast out demons or how to preach or how to heal the sick, as important as all those things were. What did they ask Jesus to teach them in Luke 11? They said, teach us to pray. Why? Because they looked at his life and they saw that prayer was where he went for power. And so if they could learn to pray like their Lord, then the, the rest would fall into place. So today, let's ask God to teach us to pray, to teach us to use this lifeline to heaven so that we can access power in our fight. That was just the introduction. Let's pray. Father, God, I do have a lot I want to share. 
this morning, um, would you help me to know what, what you would have me to say? Would you be with my mouth and be with our ears, God? Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and to obey. And Lord, whet our appetite for prayer. Make us a people of prayer. God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so your notes. Grab your notes. Um, To begin with, before we even start praying, there's a few things that we need to look at, a few things we need to know. Number one is, who are we addressing? Jesus says in verse 6, pray to your Father. Pray to your Father. I said this last week, but it bears repeating. To Jesus' Jewish audience, this would have blown their minds. You want us to call the God of the universe Father? You want us to approach Him as Father? This is amazing. The One who created everything, who is ever-present and all-knowing and all-powerful. That God wants us to come to Him as Father. Who do you picture when you pray? A lot of people picture a God that's a little bit too busy, a little bit grumpy, right? I was having this conversation with a neighbor yesterday who said, you know, he was talking about, oh, you know, I don't pray about that thing because God's, God's got more important stuff to worry about. Yeah, that's, that's dumb when people pray about that. And that's, a, that's how a lot of people see prayer. They see, this, they see God as this, this God that's stretched thin, on edge, right? And, and, and a little bit annoyed when we come talk to Him. You again. <laughs> oh, with that request again? Really? That's not God. He is nothing like that. He is a Father. He is your daddy. He wants you to come to him because you have been adopted in Christ and made one with his son and cleansed of your sin. He wants to hear from you. His impulse toward you is graced because of Jesus. And so come to him with everything. This is where the wartime walkie-talkie analogy breaks down a little bit. Because he wants more than just that you radio in with a mayday because things got really bad. He, he doesn't want you to wait until you feel like you're up against the wall. He wants to hear you say, thanks for the coffee. <laughs> That's all right. My Siri went off in the middle of my sermon last service. And... Uh, Ask me a question. So, it's okay. Um, he wants to hear from us. He wants, he wants us to say, God, that skyline is beautiful. He wants to hear us say, God, the colors on the trees, it's incredible. Thank you for this cup of coffee. This is delicious. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Lord, I'm feeling tired today. God, I'm having trouble focusing. He wants to hear it all. So go to Him 
as your Father. Secondly, pray to Him with faith. Look at verses 6-8. through And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus wants to instill confidence in us as we approach our Father in prayer. He says, don't don't think that you'll be heard for your many words. In other words, it isn't about bending God's arm, talking Him into doing something He doesn't really want to do. It's not about impressing Him with your eloquence or some recited prayer. It's about going to Him with the confidence that He is your Father and He wants to reward you when you pray. He wants to respond to you when you pray. So we pray with faith, knowing that He sees me, He knows what I need before I even ask, and He wants to reward me when I pray in secret. Next He says, Go into your room and shut the door. So we pray to our Father, we pray with faith, and we pray with focus. He says, go into a place, put yourself into a situation where you cannot be easily interrupted. Jesus modeled this all the time. He he, he was always being pulled on by people, and He would take time to get away in, in solitude regularly and pray and be alone with His Father. I think if he was preaching the same sermon today, I think he wouldn't just say, get into your room and shut the door. I think he might say, and turn your phone off. Right? Because our, we're constantly having our attention pulled at so that we can't pray like we ought to. Listen, prayers while you're driving down the road are, are wonderful. Do that. Prayers while you're on a jog are great. Do that. While you're washing the dishes... Yes, but there is something about alone in your room prayer. There's something about that when there's nothing to distract you, nothing to pull at your attention. Back in 2008, when the real estate market crashed, I was a builder at the time. And um, so I lost my job. So I went from having a, a good salary to being unemployed um, I had a mortgage. We had two kids at the time. And no second income. And so after eight months of working side jobs and part-time things and burning through our savings, I got desperate. And I remember, I remember one day going into my closet. Back in those days, I had a closet big enough I could actually go into it. I went into my closet and I shut the door and I fell down on my face in the carpet and I just started crying out to God. God, you have got to help me. We're out of money. I cannot find a job. I have to provide for my family. We're going to lose our house. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. And my phone rings. And it's a number I don't know. And when you're looking for a job, you answer. 
the phone when somebody's calling. And so I picked up the phone. And the man on the other on the other end introduces himself, and he tells me he's the chief of the Gwinnett County Fire Department, which was one of the largest fire departments in the state of Georgia. Over 800 employees. And the chief, the guy at the top, was calling me. And at this particular department, they received over 2,000 applications a year. Most people who did eventually get hired were put on a two-year waiting list. I didn't turn in a job application. And the chief called me for no reason except that he heard from somebody that I needed a job, and he said, give me that guy's phone number. Guys, this is real. This is real. Your father sees what you do in secret, and he will reward you. Prayer is powerful. So make sure that you set aside time to pray, that you turn your phone off. Here's a suggestion. Don't waste your mornings. Set your phone to do not disturb and don't let that thing come on until you've spent your time with God. Because I'm telling you what, there's something is completely different when you spend time with God before the day has already told you what to put your attention on. Right? All it takes is a quick glance at the phone and you go, oh, I got a text. Nope. All it takes is a, what's the temperature going to be today? <laughs> I mean, it can be so harmless. And I get sucked down a black hole of never-ending distraction. So wait. Don't look at your phone until you have spent time with God. So, we're praying to our Father. We're praying with faith and we're praying with focus. Now let's look at this template that Jesus gives us for prayer. We're going to look at it in two big chunks. First chunk is, what's our first prayer focus? And that is our Father's purposes. Our Father's purposes. Jesus begins the prayer with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That's not language that we typically use. We don't use the word hallowed very much. What he's saying is that this Father of ours that we get to come to in prayer is holy, sacred, set apart. That He is to be feared and revered and worshipped and adored we come to Him knowing that yes, He is our Father and He dwells in unapproachable light. He's our Father and our God is a consuming fire. This God of ours is seated on a throne and angels cover their faces and cover their feet and they cry out to one another continually, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
This is the God we have access to. And so we begin here, hallowed be your name. But this isn't just a recognition. This is also a petition. We're saying, God, make your name hallowed in the earth, in my life, in my family, in our church, in our city. God, make it so that people see how holy you are. That people would honor you as holy. We say more than just that they would recognize that you are holy. That they would love that you are holy. Think about this. The demons recognize that He's holy. What, what happens when the demons encounter Jesus? They say, we know who you are. The Holy One of God. They fall on their faces and tremble. That's what James says. Demons tremble. They know that God exists. They tremble before Him. They know He's holy. So we're praying, we don't want to just recognize that He's holy. We want to love that He's holy. Help us to cherish You, to treasure You. Make Your name hallowed. And then we pray for our Father's reach. We pray, Your kingdom come. We're praying that His kingdom would advance on the earth. Right? That more and more people would come under His kingly rule. To put it another way, we just want to see more people saved. More and more people would find and follow Jesus. We're asking that His kingdom would advance. In our lives, we would see His kingdom come. In our city, we would see His kingdom come. In our state, in our nation, and in the world. Then we pray for our Father's rule. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a hard thing for us to pray, isn't it? Your will be done. At least when we really think about what we're saying. And I think the reason it's hard at times for us to pray is because we, we don't really believe in the goodness of God. That what He wants is better than what we want. I, I can remember times in my life where I was hesitant to pray this prayer because I thought, if I pray that, you're going to send me to some place I don't want to go. You're going to make me do something I don't want to do. And here's the thing. Sometimes God, you don't want to wait. And God's going to say, I need you to wait. Or, yeah, you don't want to be unemployed for eight months. And he's going to say, that's what I need right now. I got something for you. It's coming later. There's going to be times where he calls you to do things that you don't feel comfortable with at first. But, This is the conviction. Our God is good. He's good. His ways are better than our ways. Higher than our ways. And so even if He calls you to do something that at first you don't want to do, 
if he, if he calls you to have five kids and you only wanted four, when you look back on that and you remember the days that you thought, God, I don't, I can't. That's too much. That's too many. You think, what a fool I was. I couldn't see what you saw. I didn't know what you know. And in the end of all of this, when we get to heaven, that's how we're going to feel about it all, about everything He did in our lives. We're going to say, I couldn't see what you saw. I didn't know what you know. And so with that in mind, we pray, God, Your will be done. Just as it is in heaven. Gladly, immediately, not just in our own lives, but we pray your will be done in our community, in our home, in our church, in our city, in our nation. Your will be done. Your will be done. So we pray first for our Father's purposes. And then we move on to pray for our needs in the fight. Because when we have our provision, when we have our pardon, when our relationship with God is right and with others is right, when we have protection and leadership from Him, then we can be used by God to help advance His kingdom. We can be used by God to help make His name hallowed. So we pray. For our provision. He says, give us this day our daily bread. We can easily forget this in America, but every single thing you have is a gift from God. Everything. Everything. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? The Bible also says He gives us all good things to enjoy. Everything you have is a gift. And when you don't regularly pray for your provision, you forget this. And what happens when you forget this? That God has given you everything. You, you're not thankful for anything, right? But when you remember that every single thing is a gift, you walk by food and you go, Oh God, thank you for making food smell so good. For giving us noses. God, thank you for making that tree. That, that's amazing. When you, when you pray for provision for everything, you recognize that my job is a gift, my home is a gift, my clothing is a gift, my abilities that allow me to keep this job, it's a gift. Every dollar that I have is a gift. I'm a steward of all that I have. It's all a gift. It changes your perspective on life. Secondly, with this, you're praying for provision for whatever you're up against this day. So you're not, you're not worried about tomorrow. You're not anxious about what's coming way down the road, but you're praying for this day. God, what are the things I need today? Have you got a test today? So you pray, God, help me with that test. Have you got a meeting? Lord, give me wisdom. Give me humility in this meeting. 
Have you been having car trouble? God, would you fix the car? If you, if you don't want to fix the car, would you lead me to the right mechanic? Would you provide the money so that we can pay the mechanic? I mean, these are the things God wants to be included on all of it. Am I the only one who tries to figure it all out myself before I remember? Oh yeah, I could pray about that. But is that just me? Good, thank you. Right? We 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 do everything we can do and and try and solve it ourselves and then we we remember, oh yeah. I could ask God for help with this. And I think that what it is, is deep down, we believe the same thing that my neighbor believes. There are things that are important enough for me to bring to God, and then there are things that he just doesn't want to be bothered with. But Jesus is telling us, down to the bread you eat, he wants you to pray about it. There is nothing too small to bring before our God. Next, we pray for our pardon. Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Man, this means that we are a people who are always confessing our sins to God daily, repenting of our sins daily, Forgiving those who wrong us daily. This forgiveness, forgive us of our sins, is not talking about a judicial forgiveness. Because as, as far as that is concerned, you are forgiven. In the courts of heaven, you are forgiven. If you, if you were to die immediately and, and you hadn't confessed every sin, you're forgiven if you're in Christ. If you are a believer, a Christian, you're forgiven in the courts of heaven. This is talking about a a fatherly forgiveness. This is about an intimacy, maintaining the relationship with your father. In the same way that if one of my kids were to get off in rebellion, it wouldn't change my heart for them. It wouldn't change my love for them. It wouldn't change that they're mine Right? Their position doesn't change. But would it affect the relationship? Some of you who've, who've had wayward kids are like, yeah, it does. Would it affect their confidence in our relationship? Yes. And, and when we sin, it does the same when we sin before, has anybody else ever been just like caught in sin and you don't want to pray? You, you feel like, I can't, I, ah, just, I can't approach him. That's a guilty conscience. And so God wants us to come before him in transparency and say, God, thank you for Jesus who paid for my sin. Here's what I did. I agree with you that it was wrong. I am sorry. I I don't want to hide this from you. I want to turn away from it and live differently. That's what this is talking about. And so I think this should be part of our daily prayer is just saying, Lord, here's, here's, 
show me the sin that's in my life, in my heart, that I need to confess to you. And then he says, but if you do not forgive others, he says in verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In other words, Jesus is saying forgiving other people for the things that they've done against you is vitally important in your relationship with God. Vitally important. I went into this in greater depth a few weeks ago talking about blessed are the merciful. But let me just say this. Our culture embraces offense. Our culture loves to be offended. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the, the kingdom culture. Um, what happens when someone wrongs you and you don't forgive them is that you become offended. You become an offended person, and uh, wounded and offended. And that hurts you. It hurts you, not them. And, and Jesus says, look, you've got to forgive them to maintain the relationship with your Father. You cannot carry offense and unforgiveness and maintain a relationship with your Father. You cannot. But how many lives have been destroyed because people won't forgive? This is why it says in Ephesians 4, 26-27, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. When you hold on to your wound, to your anger, and you don't forgive, you are opening the door to the devil to come in and have access to your life. Unforgiveness is deadly. Offense is deadly. And what happens, what happens when we become offended people? We want to be justified in our offense. And so we will share our offense with other people. Here's the thing that's offending me. We will see if we can get other people to agree with the thing that is offending us. If we, if we can, then we will begin to hang out with and congregate with other people who are offended by the same things that we're offended by. Right? So that we feel better about being offended by this thing. This is what's happening in our culture on both sides of the aisle politically. This is, this is the thing to do. Be offended. Be angry. And then put it all online. Right? Be angry and offended and put it all online. Hebrews 12, 14-15 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. In other words, when you, are, when you hold an offense against someone and you won't forgive them, at first it just hurts you. 
But over time, that offense becomes bitterness. And that's, that bitterness will defile many. And churches have been split over stupid offenses more times than we could ever know. And families have been split over the dumbest offenses more times than we could ever know. And so we are a people who have been given more grace than we could ever fathom. We're supposed to be marked by that. We're supposed to be characterized by that in the way that we act towards others. And so we should be, like Jesus, unoffendable. The only person that Jesus ever stood up to defend was His Father. He was so low, so humble, that when He's getting spit on and mocked and scorned, He does not come to His own defense. What does He say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Without forgiveness, we forget who the enemy is. The Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's not a battle against other people, but with powers and principalities and forces of evil. That's what we're wrestling with. And so we've got to forgive. We've got to become a forgiving people. And finally, we pray for our protection. Our protection. It says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This isn't to say that God ever tempts us. Saying, lead us not into temptation is not to say that God ever tempts us with evil. James 1 says, God does not tempt us. This is to pray, God... Would you lead me today in such a way that would protect me from stumbling? Guard me from the the sin in my own heart. The ways that I can so easily be tripped up. Protect me, God, first and foremost, from my greatest enemy, which is me. (laughs) Protect me from myself. Here's something that a lot of people don't realize. Satan has never sent anyone to hell. Doesn't have the authority to do it. Never sent anyone to hell. The only thing that can ever send you to hell is sin that has not been covered in the blood of Jesus. That is what sends people to hell. Not Satan. And so when we pray, we remember this. My first and greatest enemy is the sin that dwells in my own heart. Protect me. Lead me not into temptation. And then we pray. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil that's outside of me as well. Because I remember, and this takes me all the way back to my first point, that I am in a war. It's so easy to forget in America, so easy to forget. But we are in a spiritual war. There is an enemy that wants to destroy 
you, wants to destroy your life, your family, this church. And so we pray, God, protect us from the evil one. Protect us from the evil outside of us. Now, having said all of this about prayer, I've left out something that's very, very important. And that's this. This is the privilege of those who are in Christ. In other words, prayer, the access that we're talking about, this incredible honor, privilege, to speak to the Creator God of the universe is, is a privilege that's been granted to Christians. That, that is given to those who, who have been covered by the blood of Jesus, forgiven of their sins, adopted into the family of God. It's been declared over them not guilty. That is who has been given this privilege. If you are here this morning and you've not yet put your trust in Jesus, I want to just plead with you. Turn to Him. Run to Him. He loves you. The Bible says, while we were His enemies, Christ died for us. That He went to the cross to take our place, to pay our fine for our sins. He was buried and on the third day He rose from the dead to offer new life and forgiveness and adoption into the family and access to the Father for everyone who would believe in Him. And so, if you're not yet a believer, turn to Him. Put your trust in Him. Embrace Him as your Lord. Turn away from your sins and follow Him. And if you are a believer this morning, the battle's not over. There's still a lot of fight left. There's still a lot of eternal souls to be saved and evil to be vanquished in Jesus' name. And so let's not forget our greatest weapon in this fight, and that's prayer. Our access to God. Focusing first on His purposes and then on our needs in the fight. I want to close with this from William Cowper. He said, When we don't pray, we quit the fight. Prayer keeps the Christian's armor bright. And Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Let's pray. Father, We don't deserve to be your children. And yet, you've qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. And we have a new King, King Jesus. And God, we thank you for that. I pray that you would make us a people marked by that. A people who recognize what a privilege it is to pray. What a powerful thing it is to pray. God, help us to pray in faith, to pray with confidence, to pray the kind of prayers You would want us to pray. 
Use us, Lord, in this battle. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.